You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome everyone to RB1 Colon and Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 109, part of Think Teams Podcast Network, brought to you by SB Nation. I am the conductor of the Devin Funches hype train and your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined by some of the guys, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, Mr. Independent Drinker Clark Barnes, and El Saboteur. And the working girl, Jordan Smith. Yes, I am back in the host chair, despite Clark's excellent job as a replacement host and Jordan's lame attempt at a coup. So suck it, Jordan. That's what you think. <laughs> this, is, this is a long, the long the one, con. The best coups are the ones that you aren't even aware of happened. Oh, God damn it. This is what's going to entirely do me in. I see you already dressing the part of a, of a very suave and, and like that, that stoic hero that everyone yearns for and looks to is, is like, wow, maybe this guy could really lead the rebellion and the uprising, but don't be so quick to think that Jordan. Yeah. I got my, my leather jacket, my laser blaster and my boots off to the side here. Ready to got take my it. giant fuzzy sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Clark? Is Clark your fuzzy sidekick? <laughs> give, give me a good Chewbacca growl, Clark. If, if that's the application, I I will not make it. <laughs> um, well, we've got lots to talk about uh, this week. We are, first of all, releasing now. We've moved to a Tuesday release so we can catch that, catch that weekend news right when it happens. And then uh, kind of, since most news seemingly kind of breaks on the, the Thursday, Friday and the weekends now, including yesterday when, which uh, Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement. So we'll get fully into that. I have a lengthy letter to read because I know Gronk listens to this podcast, but before we get into that, let's tackle a little bit of NFL news. There has been some things that have happened. You guys, I mean, I joke that the that the coup is on and that I'm being replaced, but you guys did a fantastic job last week replacing me whilst I was uh, whining and dining my wife for her birthday. And you guys covered pretty much all of the all of the free agent signings that went down. But what happened recently? Uh, we'll at least get a Clark's view on it because it does directly impact him. The Colts signed Justin Houston as a pass rusher. So Clark, you uh you got a little a little sweat on the brow worrying about Deshaun Watson's knees this year. Not a fan. <laughs> uh, this this is one of the Colts signings, like a lot of their signings that are super short term for players that I think are good. So they're spending the money now without locking it up long term. And I hate to admit what a good move that seems like. I, yeah, it's a good move, I think, for the Colts. They seemed like they were just going to um, – they seemed like they were going to be possible big spenders just – I think we got that assumption, though, based on how much cap space they actually had. But they kind of just sat on the sidelines. I think they 
got into somewhat of a bidding war with the Packers over Zadarius Smith. But um, other than that, they were, you know, just very comfortable with waiting it out and not throwing, uh, you know, a couple million dollars at a Le'Veon Bell or uh, ex cornerback, you know, like, like some of these other bad franchises might have done. Jordan throwing shots at his favorite team, the Jets. Calling Not the Jets bad, specifically. The other franchise. Teams. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I love this move for the Colts. I think like like you were saying, Jordan, we are all kind of expecting the Colts to be, and the whole NFL was expecting this Colts to be heavy players in free agency. But Chris Ballard was talking at the combine that you know they were gonna do what they saw was the right plan for the Colts, and that was sitting back, letting the kind of the big names go. I think they were trying to trade. I think when the Justin Houston signing happened, it released that they were trying to trade for D Ford, uh, but then obviously D Ford, or maybe they weren't, but just the fact that they didn't give up anything for D Ford. And uh, I could be wildly misremembering, but basically Justin Houston in house who people, I know he's had, he's been injured for a while uh, for a couple of years and maybe hasn't been as productive as he once was, but he, what was it 2015? I want to say had 22 sacks and was was or 21 or something like that and was right on the brink of breaking Michael Strahan's record. So the guy can get after the pass uh, after the quarterback, and I think as the Colts, as we saw last year, that defense needs the, that guy who can win one on one matchups and be able to get to the quarterback and get pressure on them consistently. And Justin Houston seems like a great flyer to see. Hey, if this guy still got it, awesome, we got him for cheap. And if not, you know, it's a one or two year deal, relatively cheap one or two year deal and uh, you know, a pretty easy cut candidate if, if all goes South, but I, I like the move a lot addressing one of their big needs with a, with a veteran presence. Yeah. I want to say he's only 30 or so. Um, I mean, he missed last year because of an injury and uh, the Colts also re-sign Pierre Desir. Um, so that's just bringing back their own, uh, their own talent that they've been able to pick up and put together. And I think that's, that might be the, the name of the game for them for a while is just to re-sign the people that are in-house already. Um, as long as they keep nailing these drafts, then that's all they're going to need to do anyway to be successful. Yeah, yeah, no, if they continue this kind of draft success, they're going to get good real fast. Um, I want to bring back Clark's favorite news segment, the only way that he's able to get the information that we all want and love. Uh reading only nfl.com's headlines and not the articles themselves so uh let's hit me with a little bit of a upbeat music from the producer's stand and we'll get into some of the headlines that you can find uh on nfl.com giants owner was quote reluctant to trade wide receiver odell beckham to which i say no shit shut up john mara god mcdermott on bill's running backs colon Quote, iron's gonna sharpen iron. Translation, get ready for Frank Gore and Sean McCoy to battle it out to see who's older on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> Does iron sharpen iron? I don't know. That I, seems, it seems like one of those like phrases that got somehow forced into the dialect and people never exactly challenge. I mean, I, I've seen sharpening stones traditionally used to sharpen things. I don't know. So you're saying it's maybe maybe Frank Gore is the sharpening stone to LaShawn McCoy, or vice versa? Yeah, one of the two. Are the Bills paying the gold price or the iron price for this running back composition? Jordan delightfully teasing that Game of Thrones is on the horizon. It's on my mind every day. <laughs> How can it not be? Gase looks forward to using do-everything running back Bell. 
which is one of my favorite things for like a for like a head coach to say after a big offseason signing. It's like great. Like imagine instead he's like, you know, Adam Gase looks forward to sit, keeping Bell on the bench and just wasting two hundred million dollars or whatever side dude. Like, when is it? Why is he not going to be like? I'm looking forward to signing him or to using him. Love it. Yeah, the brand new coach talking about the brand new player. Probably not going to get a hot take like, oh, I think that was a bad move. <laughs> I, uh, be, I challenged my team, my GM, for making this garbage move. It would be great if we just actually had a coach who gave zero Fs like that one day. And it was just like, you know what? The signing was kind of bad, and I don't I don't approve of it. So I don't look forward to lo- using this player at all, but I'm going to be forced to. <laughs> God damn it, I'm going to be forced to do it. Uh, finally, on the NFL.com, Bucks' Jameis Winston wants to, quote, play bigger in 2019, which, I mean, keep eating those crab legs? I feel like Jameis Winston keeps showing us the kind of person that he is, and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> you kind of have to listen when somebody keeps telling you and showing you who they are. But also, Jameis Winston's kind of a big dude already. So I don't think 250 pounds is that big of a stretch. It sounds like a lot, but by I mean, standards, it might not. That's be not a lot. A spelt. Yeah. Let's see what Google has him listed at now. I bet you it's like 230. Although they only have his height. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> James oh. is trying to play linebacker now that Quan Alexander is in a SF. Wikipedia says 231. Oh. Look at that. I mean, if it's 20 pounds of muscle, then that might be all right. That might be able to help him stave off some of those, like, ticky-tack injuries that he keeps on getting and sustaining and, like, missing a game or two. Maybe a little consistency would help him out. Are we going to get roped back into the Bruce Arians going to save this quarterback in fantasy narrative with Jameis Winston? Probably. Bruce Arians gets quarterbacks killed. Ooh. So Elaborate. Like, Maybe great for, like, 10 games, but... Carson Palmer got killed playing for Bruce Arians. Remember when Andrew Luck died and we didn't see him for two years? That was Bruce Arians. Like Bruce Arians loves to have the quarterback drop it back deep and chuck it. And uh, oh boy, it's not good for them. It's true. Good good thing their line is super, super okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is why Jamie wants to get bigger though. So he's just harder to bring down. Because he knows he's going to be sitting back there in the pocket for 20 seconds and has to make every single defensive lineman that comes after him miss. Well, there you go. That is all we have on the news because the NFL is quite boring right now. That is all the not news in the news today. Exactly. Perfectly said, Clark. Um, So, obviously, the biggest news that went down, I mean, it is, I guess, we still have one big token of news to discuss, uh, was Gronk announcing that he is retiring, which is something that we kind of all expected and kind of all uh, were looking, you know, maybe saw coming because of uh, of his body, because of his injuries, all that jazz. But officially went down. um, And we'll get into our favorite moments and his place in terms of all-time greats. Uh, But before we do all of that, I wanted to take some time and speak as a Patriots fan directly to Gronk. Since, as we've established on this podcast, we are a show that is heard by not only tens of people, but uh, most of them are NFL coaches and famous professional athletes. So, Gronk, excuse me, please indulge me uh, while I read you this uh, letter. And the, the, the letter has a little dog on it, and it says, How old are you? It's a very cute dog. 
for those of you just listening to the audio podcast. Yes, and the joke in it, it says, holy shih tzu! A little toilet humor. Oh, it's a shih tzu. A little toilet humor for Gronk to enjoy. Here we go. Dear Gronk, I not only knew this day would come, I actively rooted for it. For you to retire on your own terms with a body at least allowing you to walk. Still, now that it's happened, I can't help but feel like I'm saying goodbye to the greatest individual football player I'll ever have the pleasure of watching. On the field, you were a matchup nightmare. A run-blocking force who basically served as a sixth offensive lineman on rushing downs and could remove some of the best pass rushes in the game in a one-on-one matchup. And we all know what you did in the passing game. In one play, you display the power to brush off linebackers at the line of scrimmage, catch the ball in double coverage, and then shed two tackles after the catch. On the next, you'd outrun a safety in a corner, displaying the athleticism and body control to catch a low ball and bring it in while tiptoeing the sideline. The third play, power and finesse all at the same time. No tight end over the last 35 years has averaged more than 14.7 yards per catch. You averaged 15.1. Again and again, you would make the biggest plays when the team needed you to, no matter how beaten up you were. You almost single-handedly won the 2015 AFC Championship game against the Broncos, catching a fourth and 10 bomb over Chris Harris and Darian Stewart, and then catching a fourth and goal touchdown to put the Patriots down by two with 12 seconds remaining. You torched the Steelers in week 15 of 2017 for 168 yards and the game-winning two-point conversion. It's only fitting that your final catch was a 30-yard bomb to give the Patriots Super Bowl 53's only touchdown with seven minutes remaining in the game. But the biggest thing I'll miss about you is the joy you brought every day. It's easy to forget that football, basketball, and sports in general are just a game. It's all about fun. That's what it starts as when you're younger, just enjoying the time playing and having fun out there. There was rarely a moment in your nine years with the Patriots that it didn't look like you were having fun. Like you weren't enjoying every second of the game because that's exactly what it was to you. You're the most lovable meathead in the world. And for a team who often silences personalities, it was beautiful to see Gronk be Gronk. From horribly pronouncing Spanish words, to giggling at every mention of 69, to chugging beers, to dancing on the sidelines, you were able to play at the highest level we've ever seen from a tight end position while enjoying every second of it. So, As I crack open this beer, I say, here's to you, Gronk. Here's to remembering to enjoy yourself and have fun no matter what you do. Here's to the well-intentioned goober in a world that could always use a little more of them. And here's to the greatest tight end the football will ever know. Cheers. Cheers! Yeah! Oh wow, he chugged that. So I'll get some fireball. Well said, Pete. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Oh, now that I'm going to put him out of commission for five minutes. (laughs) Now that I'm burping up a beer. Uh, I want to talk about our favorite moments. I want to talk about his career and let you guys kind of talk. But before we get into all of that... Quickly, we have some advertisements that uh, we want you to listen to. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. Uh, And I do hope that uh, you do whatever those ads say to do so that we can make some money because even this podcast isn't too noble for a little good old corporate greed. Clark, uh, I want to start with you as we kind of remember the great Gronk uh, because you were always a proponent in fantasy of Gronk being worth a first-round pick, worth taking as high as you possibly could. Uh, so what is what is your lasting memory of this beautiful Goliath of a man? So this memory isn't of any particular game or any particular season, but the fun that you got to have every year arguing that Gronk is – you know, definitely worth a first round pick or you're going to jump up and draft him in the second because everybody else is worried and they're going to draft him in the fourth. And I think that this is one of those players that your thoughts on him really betrayed the type of fantasy football player that you were. I think if you liked Gronk, you liked to draft guys that you enjoyed watching play. If you liked Gronk, your idea is I'm going to beat you at every position Uh, So maybe drafting tight end isn't what everybody says you should do early, but I'm going to try to zig while other people are zagging. Uh, Nothing beats being at Pluckers and needing a big performance from someone and watching this giant svelte offensive tackle, you know, juke a linebacker, jump over a safety, uh, catch, catch amazing passes. He was so tall, but you forget what great hands he had. Uh, Brady didn't always put it on him. He could be streaking across the field and seemingly just pluck the ball inches off of the turf and just keep on going. So saw him do in a game where men that size shouldn't be able to run that fast or do the things that they do. He even stood out in that crowd. So it was just a pleasure to get to see him play and I think that he's going to be like one of those generational transcendent talents like Barry Sanders and guys like that where when you talk about football in the you know 2000s you know to 2020 you're like oh Gronk was just unstoppable unbelievable Randy Moss-esque kind of guy yeah Gronk as a as a transcendent like player I think is is clearly what he's going to be remembered by uh Sports Illustrated when he announced his retirement tweeted out all of his NFL records and the list is unbelievable. He has the most tight, uh, most receptions by a tight end in Super Bowl history with 23 most receiving yards by a tight end in Super Bowl history with 297. The only tight end to lead the league in receiving touchdowns 2011, the only tight end with a thousand career postseason receiving yards, most career postseason postseason receiving yards by a tight end 1,163 most touchdown receptions by a tight end in a season, 17. Most touchdowns by a tight end in a season, 18. Most single season record for receiving yards by a tight end, 
2011 to 2018. Most career postseason receiving touchdowns by a tight end, 12. Most seasons with 10-plus touchdowns by a tight end, 5. Most offensive touchdowns in the first two seasons, 28, tied with Randy Moss. Only tight end to have three seasons with 10-plus touchdowns and 1,000-plus receiving yards, 2011, 2014, and 15. Most seasons of 1,000-plus receiving yards by a tight end, 4. Consecutive seasons with 10-plus touchdowns by a tight end, 3. Youngest player with three touchdown receptions in a game, 21 years and 184 days. Youngest player with three touchdown receptions in a game playoffs, 22 years, 275 days. So his his uh, his point in NFL history is cemented. Uh, and he, I think, has set some rules, particularly in the postseason and Super Bowl world, because of just the sheer number that he played in, uh, that will be very difficult, very difficult to uh, to break. Yeah, I think the um, I think the ironic part about it is that the stats don't really support how well he actually played the game of football. Um, obviously, being a tight end, there's just so much more that you have to do than being your you know traditional pass catcher. He's on the line. There was you know we joked about it earlier in the season where you know if Gronk wasn't producing the way he should have, then he should just put on a few extra pounds and play tackle for the for the Patriots because he was that good at. Uh, being a blocker and clearing guys out. Um, one of the sad parts I think about Gronk's career, part of this is because of just Bill Belichick, you know, maintaining his best players to be healthy at the precise times, but he hasn't played a full game or a full season since that early 2011 season, um, which, which kind of sucks because it feels like we've kind of been sapped a little bit from mm-hmm. Not just the greatest tight end of all time, but seeing the greatest player of all time. You know, part of that, like I said before, is the Belichick uh, maintenance plan. But also, it's it, it sucked be having Gronk be that big of a guy. There's his body wasn't always able to hold up, and people had to figure out some way to take him down. And that was usually going, you know, after the legs, and he had to have his arms and everything. Uh, surgically repaired and just stuff like that towards the end of his career he looked almost bionic based on how many like straps and braces he would have to wear uh just to get through these football games so i am not a very big patriots fan but i've always been a pretty good fan of gronk just because he was usually always unapologetically himself even in new england where you could probably argue that it's very very difficult to be yourself and to stand out as your own, um, individual self. Um, but I have to say, I'm, I'm glad that Gronk is able to retire now. Like you said, Pete, on his own terms, not being, you know, forced into a, you know, continually progressive, progressively lesser role just because, you know, his body can't hold up anymore. It's, it's not one of those situations where you're like, Calvin Johnson, no. Like, why are you retiring now? We have so much to do together. Um, Gronk has won three Super Bowls. Uh, He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. My favorite Gronk moment was when he was on the precipice of 69 touchdowns and just gave that interview. He's like, about to get 69 touchdowns. You know what that means? (laughs) It's just, that's the epitome of Gronk. I hope they they put that phrase on his bust again. (laughs) 
<laughs> just have a 69 joke as his bust. That would be fantastic. You mentioned his injuries. And like when you read through the injuries that he has sustained, it's unbelievable that he even was able to put together like the productive career that he had. In 2009, he had a vertebrated disc hernia in his back. 2012, high ankle sprain, uh, hip, hip pull. He had a forearm fracture. 2013, forearm fracture, uh, back vertebrae fracture, concussion, torn ACL, torn MCL. 2015, he had a knee strain. 2016, hamstring pull, chest lung bruise, back vertebrae, herniated disc again. 2017, the leg thigh bruise. 2018, concussion and had back and ankle issues. And he came into the league with back problems. And that's why he fell in the draft, why the Patriots got him in the uh, third round, I believe. The, like, the, the amount of damage that his body received is just insane. And the fact that he was able to still be the most productive tight end in NFL history on a per game basis and put together a re- resume that is easily first ballot hall of fame um, is remarkable. He was so big and always seemed to get hit so hard that you were always surprised, especially in the later years that he was able to, to bounce back up and so, he didn't all the time, obviously with the list of injuries that you read off. I think this helps put things into a pretty good context. Pro football reference has this uh, weighed out pretty well. Um, in 2000, or let's just start with his best season. 2011, he played six games, 2012, only 11 games, 2014 and 2015, only 15 games. And then 2017, only 14 games. Um, but each of those seasons, say for 2012, he finished position rank number one for tight ends, despite only having one of those seasons of the ones I listed, having him play a full 16, uh, the 2012 season when he only played 11 games, he was the number two tight end. It's preposterous when you, I mean, you said it, you were talking about it, Jordan, where it's like, man, if only, cause Belichick definitely did have him on a, on a snap count, particularly in those later years. But when you look at that 2011 season, which was the last time, <laughs> which is crazy to say the last time he played all 16 games, his stats from that year were incredible. He had well, that's the Randy Moss year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 1,327 yards and 17 touchdowns on 90 receptions, 124 targets. The guy was a freak, 82 yards per game, and just was an unstoppable monster. And, and if you were like take that career and pushed it all the way through, like if he was able to play 16 games, didn't have these health issues, he would – I don't even know what his – like ceiling would have been I, I i to this day i think and i mentioned it in the letter like my favorite moment i think of gronk's entire career there's so many of him just like beasting on safeties and just stiff arming people to the ground throwing sergio brown out of the club back in i think it was 2013 or 14 um but to me the biggest one was in that that afc championship game in 2015 where the patriots were down and Brady only looked to Gronk. Gronk was the only weapon that they could utilize. They had been getting pressure on Brady all game long, and Gronk managed to beat Chris Harris, who's one of the best nickel corners in the NFL, and Darian Stewart down the field, make the 40 to 50-yard grab on first and 10, and then come back in bounds in order to get the touchdown, keep his feet in, uh, just, just get on the board, put it within two and then there's replays from the all 22 of the two point conversion play. They could have just gone back. They ran the exact same play thinking that all the attention would go to Gronk and Brady threw it to Edelman and it got tipped and, and that was the game. 
Gronk was open. He could have thrown it to Gronk. Gronk was in one-on-one coverage, and Gronk could have single-handedly carried the Patriots to whatever that was, Super Bowl 51, I believe, or yeah, I think, or Super Bowl 50, because uh, that was the Broncos versus the um, the Panthers, which uh, which you know would have been fun to to see. But that's a spoiled Patriots fan. Time. It was fun to see uh, Cam Newton and the Panthers get crushed. Please don't take that away from. Me. That's fair. Well, they still would have gotten crushed, but. Right. It was not oh, as and, much fun watching Peyton Manning win. And, and another one little comment: uh, Gronk is always open. Gronk is <laughs> always He's open. Always, he's always open. Um, In that 2011 season, did you count his rushing touchdown as well? He did, he, I did not. That's his true. 18 total touchdowns then <laughs> on the season. His highest catch rate of his entire career. I'm having fun looking at this season because it was unbelievable. It's just – it might be one of the greatest receiving seasons in NFL history. Like 1,300 yards and 18 total touchdowns for a tight end is not supposed to happen. It's not – and it never will happen. And we can get into this now. Gronk, to me, will be the last true – the last and greatest true tight end. Right? The NFL is changing to the point where a lot of these tight ends no longer are as prolific in the – blocking that they you know you tend to have kind of two guys you have your what your travis kelsey's and your uh, george kittles of the world who are more big boy big body receivers and then you have your mercedes lewis's and your richard rogers and your guys who are like in the trench blockers um and maybe you can pass catch as well and i think gronk was is the last tight end to do the blocking at an all pro level, the receiving at an all pro level. And I, I personally, and I know this maybe is biased, but I really don't know how you can argue that he doesn't go down as the greatest tight end to ever play the sport of football. Well, I hope he's not the last of the overall like blocking and pass catching tight ends. I think they're so underrated with how valuable they are uh, just to an offense and on a football team. They can help, you know, push your run game over the top by having a guy who can actually seal off, you know, an edge or somebody on the outside for your run game. And just having somebody who's not a complete brick hands when you're trying to pick up a couple extra yards in the passing game, super valuable. So I really hope not. And for fantasy purposes, we all hope not. (laughs) (laughs) We have a tendency to think things are never going to come around again. And they usually do. So I don't see anyone on the horizon. All the guys you mentioned, I don't think have the potential to get there with Kelsey and uh, Kittle. They're, they they have the potential to be Hall of Fame tight ends, but they'll, they're just not big enough. They just don't block well enough as Gronk does, at least right now. But we, we never know what the future holds, and that's part of the fun of watching the games is you get to see, you know, these young bucks coming up in the drafts. Maybe, uh, maybe the next Gronk is in there. Noah fan, baby. He's going to fall to 32. The Patriots going to take him. Oh, he's not getting past 30. No, he's not. He's not getting. I don't even know if he's going to get past 20. Um, I saw some flaming hot take uh, or hot takes on Twitter about how Gronk maybe or maybe is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, which is just. No, no, no just, just look. If, when we give shitty people this attention, that's why they do these things. No okay. one who watches football thinks that's true. And it's okay. Like so, it's just mm, that's ridiculous. I will. I have. I have been silenced. I'm sorry. I, I, I respect this. I respect it. I can't disagree with you. If you don't want it to Come be, on. if you don't want it out there, don't don't talk about it. So I, I'll hush my pretty little mouth about it. Yeah, people are dumb. 
Not at faketeams.com, though. You see high-quality stories at a place like that, not like this other rigmarole they got going on out there. Look at that plug. Exactly. This guy. This guy. Um, with Gronk out, who do you guys think is going to be that now incumbent tight end one in fantasy? We'll talk a little fantasy right now since we are a uh, fantasy podcast. Uh, I know a lot of people are thinking Kelsey. That's obviously the kind of like – obvious choice jordan do you think there's someone who's maybe a little sneakier or maybe someone else other than kelsey who you like as kind of this like person who could rapidly rise the tight end ranks and take that number one crown um i think it's pretty obvious that it's travis kelsey just based on the offense his experience uh patrick mahomes happens to be his quarterback i think somebody who could be sneaky climbing the boards I, and I, this is another guy who I think a lot of people have forgot about because he hadn't played this past year. Stephen A. Smith, he, he did not play this past year. It's Hunter Henry um, for the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I, I think he could he could come back in a big way and be be somebody who takes those Tyrell Williams targets because uh, they let him walk in free agency. Keenan Allen is a top five wideout for me, but. You know, I would like to see Hunter Henry come back and do some damage. Yeah, I don't think you have to really overthink this one. It might be a boring answer, but Kelsey and Kittle are kind of head and shoulders ahead of everyone else. Uh, with Evan Ingram doing well for being so young, we have O.J. Howard coming up. We have David and Joku coming up, and, you know, we want everything to happen right away, but we know the tight ends uh, can take a little while to get going, so... Uh, I think for fantasy purposes, Kelsey becomes the guy folks like me argue about taking in that late first, early second round. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I think you're right about Kelsey, but I do love the Hunter Henry pick um, because he has already shown flashes of, of tight end dominance or, and, and fantasy dominance. He, uh, I'm quickly doing some fake team stats and information here to try to get this all figured out. But his rookie year, 478 yards and eight touchdowns, which the yardage, give or take, uh, I mean, take it or leave it, the touchdowns are what, you know, is ultimately going to get you the most fantasy points. And and I think he could quickly, again, establish himself as a go-to red zone target for uh, Phillip Rivers. So I, I'm a big fan of that one. Um let me get this loaded because I want to talk about my man, OJ Howard. Uh, God, but what a crappy position for fantasy this next couple of years. There's going to be like three guys that are worth drafting. It definitely does take away a lot of the, you're now kind of hoping on, you're now hoping on a, a players with a lesser workload really showing off you know you're not getting the you know travis kelsey and i think george kittle are going to be guys who are going to continue continuously get a big and heavy workload along with zach Ertz, i think he's another guy that we haven't mentioned yet who's going to uh who's going to see a you know we'll constantly see a big workload because carson wentz does love him but now you're you no longer have like kind of five or yeah five guys on that list who are all going to see 80 plus targets you're going to get a lot of guys who are going to see 40 to 50 targets. And you're like, I just hoping that you do the best that, you know, you do more with those 50 targets than my opponent's tight end does with their 50 targets. So that's the guys like you mentioned, Clark, Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, um, um, Hunter Henry. And uh, who else do you got out there? I mean, you got two tight ends in Baltimore. Who knows what's going on there? There's a I, bunch of guys out there. I thought a lot about tight ends today. 
Um, that joke was for you, Gronk. But I, I decided to break them up into tiers. After you do your O.J. Howard bit, I can I can tell my, my tiers for tight ends in fantasy that are way too early because it's obviously just the end of March now, but let's break it, we can break it down anyway. I want to see Bruce Arians' history with tight ends in terms of fantasy production as to whether or not with him taking over, is does O.J. Howard have a – chance to take a big step forward and i don't think so i kind of feel like bruce arians loves his receivers but i don't necessarily know how much his tight ends have an impact on the uh, offense the tampa tight end situation is like the packers running back situation where you know one of them is just better and you want them to get the ball more but for whatever reason they're just like nah man we want cameron Braid and oj howard we want both these guys as our our tight ends when OJ Howard is just, he's a f- athletic physical freak. Right. Just give him the football and let yeah. him play. Yeah. Bruce Arians, uh, Bruce Arians is tight end ones average rank is, uh, is 26 for his whole career from offensive coordinator in Cleveland and in Pittsburgh and in, and the Colts and then head coach of Arizona. So you, it's not necessarily, you don't have necessarily a leg up there of, for OJ Howard stepping into like a prolific role in his offense, which a little upsetting. To be fair, can you name any Pittsburgh Steelers, Indianapolis Colts, or Arizona Cardinals tight ends when he was at those stops? Heath Miller. That's the guy. That's the guy who who he got. I think big fantasy production for them. Heath Miller. He was like discount Jason Witten. <laughs> Barely did anything. <laughs> who someone also said was a better was much better than Gronk. So you know, got to oh, feed the trolls God. out there. Yeah, I think Bruce Arians hasn't used the tight end very much, but I also feel like O.J. Howard is a, an absolute specimen. So I would agree. Maybe he hasn't used him because he hasn't had him. Ray of hope for O.J. Howard fans and Buccaneers fans. And and me, who will overdraft O.J. Howard. Jordan, shine, shine your uh, way-too-early rankings light upon us. Uh, so I broke these fantasy tight ends into three tiers. Um, the... Tier two and tier three aren't in any particular order because at this point I was just kind of looking for names to add to this list. Um, <laughs> tier tier one, though, what is a top five, though, that I think I have as far as today goes. Um, so it's Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz. People forget how Zach Ertz had such a great like low-key fantasy season last year. Carson Wentz loves himself some Zach Ertz. He does love Zach Ertz. Um, followed by George Kittle, Eric Ebron, and Hunter Henry. Those are the guys I think that if you get in your top five or if you get them on your team in your draft, you're pretty set at the tight end position. Tier two, this can get you, you know, maybe some good games. Maybe you find the guy that vaults his way into the, the top tier by the end of the season. It's David Njoku, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, uh, Jimmy Graham, Jared Cook, and Trey Burton. Um, so three young tight ends followed by tight ends that may have switched teams and uh, just weren't able to find their footing last season. And then tier three, um, Will Disley, who got hurt but was like really skyrocketing up people's boards uh, in the beginning of the season. Uh, Jack Doyle um, hurt again last year, kind of got some of the shine taken away by Eric Ebron, but Andrew Buck still loves him. And then Austin Hooper, who we all – want to do well but sometimes he just doesn't do well <laughs> we'll see and then, you're gonna, th- then you're gonna throw in no fan uh and tj hook him a dog hawkinson there you go the other iowan 
Irv Smith Jr. There's some, like, there's some good tight end prospects coming in this year. And, and with the Patriots, I mean, if the Patriots get any of those guys, you know how the Patriots like to use their tight ends. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, I think there's, I think there's definitely teams out there who are looking for that piece to, to utilize. And so I think you can even add more names to those, but I like that initial ranking. Those are good. Yeah. On the rookie tight ends, let other people draft them. I, it's it's an old cliche and it continues to be true over and over rookie tight ends do not produce so let other people get excited when Noah fan goes eight well i feel like we've i mean i certainly have shared my love for gronk and gronk i know you're still listening and i know that you have your own thoughts of Jordan's way too early uh tight end rankings for fantasy football so now that you are unemployed Come on to the podcast. We'd love to have you. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to want to say or talk about before we sign off? Uh, the draft is a month away. Oh, is it that close? It sure is. Yeah, we'll have all kinds of draft coverage. We're going to start on fake teams. A little throwing a little plug here. Fake teams. We're going to start running uh, rookie profiles. So we'll be talking about who the players are coming in, college stats, and then what we think are our best fits for them. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about the draft as we get closer on the podcast, uh, including we'll do our own mock draft as we always do, which is always a ton of fun. So stay tuned for that pod. Uh, but yeah, drafts coming, and that means a lot of content coming. FakeTeams.com NCAA bracket update. My completely guessed bracket is currently tied for first with Whoa! so I feel like I'm winning. Clark Barnes flexing, flexing those luck, luck muscles. That's right. I gave out such bad fantasy football advice all year that the gods are now rewarding me with a little <laughs> basketball token. Who do you have winning? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Oh, man, I hope your bracket wins. That would be glorious. Man, I've been so absorbed with losing fantasy football that I didn't watch any college basketball at all this year. I've watched but, some of the games. I wildly missed uh, the UCF-Duke game, which I heard was quite exciting. There's someone who's seven foot six and named Taco, so I might be watching more NBA basketball next year, boys. He is a monster human being. There's pictures of him next to Zion and Zion looks like a child. It's quite incredible. What seven, six, 270 pounds or whatever looks like in a human being. It's preposterous. I, it's ridiculous. It's, he's so huge. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, anyway. So yeah, hope you're enjoying March madness. Hope you're paying more attention to it than we are. Like Jordan said, NFL draft is just around the corner. So we got all kinds of good stuff coming your ways. Um, Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher. And I think, guys, I think we might be on Spotify as well, which is, you know, just we're getting out there, getting the name uh, known. Uh, So it's the Fake Teams podcast channel. Leave a review. Give us five stars. Tell us you love us. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. We will be back at you guys next week. Hopefully a little more NFL news is broken. And one of my favorite players in the history of sports hasn't just retired. So, you know, until then...
yeah, I know. <laughs> you gotta earn that piece. <laughs> I ain't giving that shit away for free. <laughs> <laughs>